Welcome, Michigan Wolverine fans, to another episode of Victor's Valiant, podcast here on SP Nation and AmazingBrew.com. My name is Vaughn Lozon, and with me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Andy McDonald and Colin Logsdon. Boys, uh, you know, it, it's kind of weird to have Colin here after a loss, but uh, I, I think we should uh, get used to the fact that that may happen uh, once or maybe twice more this season. But other than uh, the fact that we took a loss uh, this past weekend, how are yeah, we doing? It could be worse. could be worse. Not, Not too bad. bad. It could be, um, albeit probably not a whole lot worse uh, with Peters getting injured and you know just the offensive line looking terrible. And but we'll 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 get into that. We'll get into that. Um, we've we've got plenty of time to talk Michigan football. But before we do, just want to remind you guys real quick that AmazingBrew.com is not the only place you can get all of our podcasts here. Uh, now going to be including. Uh, the Harbaugh's podcast with uh, Jim and uh, his father. It's going to be an awesome podcast on Maize and Brew. Uh, but you can find all of us on uh, SoundCloud as well as iTunes and the Google Play Store. Just search Maize and Brew Podcasts, and you should be able to download uh, podcasts onto your phone and stream us on the go. So go ahead and download for free today. Uh, but getting into the game, Michigan and Wisconsin this past weekend. I was in attendance for that game at Camp Randall. It was my first ever time in Wisconsin. Uh, 24 to 10 was the final. Uh, Horny Brook, he only went 9 to 19 for Wisconsin, but I think all of his throws that he made uh, when they were on the money, they were uh, really clutch. Made a few third and long conversions that they really needed. One of them was uh, 50, 51 yards, I believe, to A.J. Taylor. Um, and that, that picked them up really nicely, got them in the red zone. They ended up scoring on, I think, the next play or the play after that. Uh, meanwhile, Brandon Peters, 9 of 18, 157 yards. I thought he looked really good, uh, given the fact that the offensive line was not giving him a whole lot of time uh, to go through his reads and make uh, accurate passes. Made one real nice pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones for 48 yards. I, I looked pretty encouraging on both ends, uh, the quarterback and wide receiver. Uh, Zach Gentry had one nice catch. Sean McCune had a few catches. Uh, Chris Evans had a good catch as well. Um, I mean, defensively, I mean, it was the Kalik Hudson, Hudson show again. Had nine tackles, uh, one and a half tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Thought Maurice Hurst played really well. I thought Aubrey Solomon has been progressing really well, especially over the past few weeks. He, he put up another nice game. Uh, I thought Josh Metellus played really well. And uh, in pass coverage, him and Cannell uh, struggled again. Uh, they gave up one of those touchdowns late in the game. Uh, that ended up giving Wisconsin the 14 to 10 lead, uh, but other than that, I mean, you can only ask so much out of your defense, especially on the road in a uh, very windy and cold climate as Wisconsin was, and uh, when you've got one of the best rushing defenses in Wisconsin uh, and one of the best passing defenses as well, you're not really going to put up a whole lot of points, uh, especially on the road with an inexperienced quarterback and uh, an inconsistent offensive line. Uh, but we'll get right into it. Colin, I want to ask you first, what did, what did you see out of the young Wolverines this weekend that uh, may or may not give you hope for the future, including this upcoming weekend against Ohio State? Well, I think the uh, the play count, the play calling on offense continues to be a problem. I mean, oh my gosh, so many times they just continue with the same, you know, the same boring la-di-da playbook. I just think plainly, I've been saying this since the start of the year, Drevno needs to go. I think he's just holding everybody back. Like you said, Peters did make some good throws. But the, yeah. the offensive line didn't give them a lot of time uh, per usual. The run plays, it's either right up the gut or they try some stupid screen pass. There's just no there's no mixing it up. There's no, you know, changing up the flow, trying to trying to get something working. I just I'm sick of it. 
Um, it's continuing just throwing downfield the tight ends, you know, either overthrows or the guy's not looking or guys are dropping passes again. I just don't get how you can run for 300 yards against a team like Minnesota and only run for what, 50 yards, 59 yards against Wisconsin. They got no push up front. Um, I'm, I'm sick of the offense. The defense looked good again. I thought they were fine besides, mm-hmm. uh, like you said, some of those third down um, passing plays. Tellus and Cannell continue to let us down there. But in the run game, I thought they really shut down Jonathan Taylor. Devin Bush was all over the field, and he is now a finalist, actually, for the uh, Buckkiss Award. After that performance, he was great. Hudson was great. D-line looked good, like you said, Vaughn. But overall, obviously, couldn't get the job done. The, the, the officiating, again, was terrible in this game. I, I think this game might have been worse than the Ohio State game last year. That Peoples-Jones... Um, play they didn't call a touchdown if you you clearly could see from the back end when they slowed it down his left foot touched first i'm sure you guys saw that too we've seen all the screenshots oh yeah there were so many bad pass interference calls that went against michigan when michigan finally got the lead wisconsin responded back in the third quarter with their first touchdown that one third down play hornybrook threw it behind taylor or whoever it was on the on the left side should have been fourth down they call pass interference because long grabbed him a little bit but the throw was behind him and the receiver didn't even turn around for it that's uncatchable that's not pass interference Later in the game, the game was already over. Um, granted, at this point, but they had that one little sc- they had the one little pass to the tight end in the fourth quarter. Again, the guy, um, the pass was behind him, and he didn't even look for. It. Again, they call pass interference. There were so many bad calls. You could tell that the refs are literally they're literally giving them the home calls. And I'm not going to believe in this whole conspiracy. You know, they're trying to help Wisconsin or the team, um, the Big Ten make it to the playoff or whatever. But sometimes it makes you wonder, like, what's going on with these games and this officiating? It was terrible. But, um, you know, Harbaugh's just not getting the job done right now. I'm liking where I'm seeing these guys progressing. But until I see a competent offensive game plan, competent offensive strategy, and going out there and they're getting better and better, um, you know, I'm not I'm not too pleased right now. That's another big-time loss. That was now Harbaugh's like 0-8 in big games in Michigan so far. We haven't won a road game against a ranked team since 06. I'm sick of losing these games, and I'm sick of having to blame the refs when also um, it is on Michigan just for not getting it done. Andy, what do you think about all that? I agree with most of it. Um, that I think I think at this point in the season, um, you gotta look at this Michigan team as a young team. Um, coming in the year, I've said it time and time again. I I thought that they would go eight and four, and right now it looks where they're gonna be at. It's not something that I didn't really expect. It's just it's more or less, you know, like what Cohen was alluding to a lot with the play calling. It it is not. It's not there right now. It's not. There's no change. There's no. There's no, you know, spicing up the playbook right now for Michigan. And when you have a team like this and you're almost at this point, pretty much even you could say, I know they technically were still playing for the Big Ten title. I mean, everyone and their brother knew that they weren't going to actually be able to come back and win it. The, the fact of the matter is, though, you're kind of a team that's just playing for really nothing right now. You're going to a bowl game, whatever. Do some plays that are different. Change some things up. I haven't seen any of that all season. Yeah, there was the bad calls by the refs. You know, obviously the Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, non-touchdown was a touchdown. A lot of those pass interference calls I agree with were not correct calls during that game. But one thing that you can really look at a lot in this game is, you know, Michigan beat themselves in a lot of ways too. You got the Brandon Peters fumble. That's a young quarterback making a mistake down with the goal line. That's a play that you can't have happen. And on special teams, a punt return for a touchdown. That's a lot of bad bad coverage by Michigan, and they got to make tackles there. So you, you can go back in this game. And you can look at really the the refs in Michigan on some of their own mistakes for the reason that they lost this game. I think there's actually no reason they should have lost this game. If Wisconsin makes the playoff, they're they're the one team I think that's going to get blown out because they're really not that good of a football team. I don't think they've played anybody that really adds up to it or makes them that good of a football team. And I don't think Michigan's that good of a football team. So the fact they had the lead at one point in this game and they weren't even playing their best football, Michigan was kind of turning it over and being themselves at one point. It kind of says a lot about where Wisconsin's at, too. But, again, it's just Michigan can't win a game on the road, can't win a big game. It's the same story. You keep hearing it over and over again. 
and I, I think that they got a long way to go right now. Um, I mean, you have, you have a game at home. Obviously, everything changes in a rivalry mm-hmm. game um, coming into Ohio State. You definitely want to see a lot of progression. Um, I mean, Brandon Peters, for the most part, he did look good again this game against Wisconsin. He looked fine. Um, I think he can get 157 yards. Yeah. That, that's something to say, and he didn't even play a full game. So, you know, he, I, I think he was, I think he was playing fine. I think, I think you're seeing a lot of progression from him, and he's definitely the quarterback, of the future for Michigan right now. There's a lot of positives there, and hopefully, he's okay and able to play this week. That's the only chance that Michigan's going to have to make this a game against Ohio State. The defense, once again, they, they were fine. Uh, they definitely wasn't like Penn State, where they kind of just let it get away from I, I kind of pointed back then to that being a little bit on the defense. I feel like a lot of the time that they didn't uh, put up their end of the bargain, but really they had a lot of calls go against them in this game, and they were on the field you know, so much that it's like they're going to give up points if the offense came with the ball. When John O'Korn came into the game, it was pretty much hopeless from there. I think everybody knew that it was going to be done. Um, so, you know, but I mean, Maurice Hurst said after the game, he said he felt like they beat themselves. And I, I agree with that in a lot of ways. I think, I think if you're Michigan, you can go back and look at this, you know, as a young team trying to grow and you can say, we had a chance to win this game. We made a lot of mistakes ourselves to lose it. And that's something we got to correct moving forward. I think it's interesting, Andy, how you think that Wisconsin would be the one team to get blown out in the college football playoff. I, I really think Wisconsin's rushing defense is among one of the best in in, in all of uh, college football. I, I mean, I was there live watching this game unfold, and TJ Edwards and Ryan Conley at that linebacker position, I don't know if there's a, a better duo in college football right now than those two guys. They were all over the field the entire game. There was one drive, I think, where TJ Edwards literally made all but maybe one tackle, and the announcer kept saying, TJ Edwards on the tackle. And, you know, I'm being surrounded by Wisconsin fans. I, I turned to one of them. I said, do you guys just have 11 TJ Edwards out on the field right now? <laughs> it was just ridiculous how many tackles this guy was making. He ended up with 11, seven, seven of them being solo tackles. Um, you know, they were just all over the place. They were swarming the quarterback, uh, getting to Brandon Peters quickly and often. Uh, they were able to uh, hold the Michigan running attack to uh, very little yards. They only had uh, 58 total Chris Evans had 25, Higdon had 20. I, I think their rushing defense is for real. I I, I wouldn't dispute that whatever whatsoever. Um, you know, maybe maybe the offense with Hornibrook. Uh, you know, he he's pretty inconsistent. He throws a lot of interceptions. Um, most interceptions in the country per. Um, I, I forget what the actual statistic was, but it's like per pass yeah, or he, something. Yeah, he he, has he makes a lot of mistakes, and the interception he threw against uh, Michigan. Uh, uh, Devin Bush had the pick. It was a really bad decision. Bad throw. Everything about it was just bad. Um, hey, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that they're not like they're not a, a, a good team. I think they're an above yeah. average team, and there's definitely no doubt what you're saying about their run game is right. They shut Michigan's run game down. Yeah, they absolutely but did. against a team that is maybe against a team that's maybe more than just one dimensional. I mean, I think I think essentially you can kind of predict what Michigan's going to do, and you know if you stop their run, their passing game isn't that effective. They have you know too many flaws in it. I think it's pretty easy to key on Michigan's run game and be able yeah. to stop them when they go up against a team like. In Ohio State or someone else down the road here, I, I think it's a little bit different. I think a team that has two dimensions can maybe do a little bit better against mm-hmm. them um, in general. And I, I mean, Michigan's defense showed what a good defense can do against their offense. If Michigan's defense didn't have to be on the field the whole game, um, I think that, they, that, that their defense doesn't even give up near 24 points because Michigan's defense was playing fine until the end of the game when they pretty much were you know forced to be out there and had a couple calls go against them. So I look at it in that way, and like I said, a lot of Michigan beating themselves, that's kind of how I look at it. Is I really just didn't I, – I don't think Michigan's that good of a football team, and that's what – you know, this is kind of like the really – I mean, you look at their Big Ten schedule so far this year. I mean, what, Iowa? That was the other good team that they played this season so far. I mean, Illinois, Maryland, Nebraska, right. Purdue – 
and Indiana are the other Big Ten teams they played. So really, to me, they haven't shown much yet. Oh, Wisconsin played nobody this year. In the non-conference, the yeah. <laughs> team was what BYU and BYU's garbage. They also played Utah at home. They do that on purpose because they know they're not that good and they can't go up against the big boys. If they schedule right. Notre Dame like Michigan and State do every year, or like Ohio State plays exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Game, they know they get killed. This is their only shot at the playoff because they're yeah, not you, that talented. Wisconsin is very overrated. They play the worst schedule, and they are not a playoff team. I'm telling you, they don't have the offense to be a playoff team. And once their defense goes up against a big boy like Ohio State, they are going. To I don't think they are either in the Big Ten playoff. I don't Ohio think Ohio State. Everyone knows they're going to be 2014 again. No, Ohio State is. They're, Ohio they're State not. Is going to, beat them by four. to me, it's not like they're a playoff team either. It's like they're they're basically by what you just said, Colin. Exactly. They they get they're giving themselves an undefeated record by the schedule that they're putting out there for them to play, especially in the non-conference. It's like Iowa, Iowa a couple of years ago when they went undefeated and then finally faced a good team in Michigan State. Lost that and then didn't do good in the Big Ten Championship and lost. These teams aren't that good. They just play yeah. in the, the, the crappy division of the Big Ten, the very one-sided Big Ten division. Yeah. They play in the bad part of it. You and get yourself the there. They're not challenging <laughs> themselves at all. But well, to be fair to them, to be fair to them, they they're not that they're not they don't have the ability to be elite one because of the recruiting, but two because of the offensive style of football. The pro style the pro style offense is not is not made for college football anymore. If you want to be a great team, that's why I don't get why Harbaugh is trying this so much and why Drevno is trying to push this so much. Look at all the best no. teams in college football: Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, they, Oklahoma. They, do they run the pro style? No, they have these versions of the spread offense. Now they're all different variations. I'm not saying you have to go back full the rich drive. But you got to mix it up a little bit. This pro style offense in college football does mm-hmm. not work anymore. Unless you're Stanford and you play in the Pac-12, and even Stanford mixes it up a little bit. It's not full <laughs> 1960s football like Jim Harbaugh is trying to bring back right now. I can't stand this offense. It doesn't work, and it's not going to win you a Big Ten championship, let alone a national championship. You have to mix it up, and it starts by getting rid of Tim Drevno, bringing in someone who can mix it up a little bit, give you some different flavor, yeah. and actually use some speed because you're not going to be able to muster all these teams, especially when you have all these young players. It's just not going to work. The pro-style offense is not made for college football anymore. It's enough to keep you in a game, but you can't win it, and I think Michigan's the perfect example of that right now. No, and look how State has transformed their offense too. They're going to more like a, a passing pro-style offense, and Lewerke's been awesome this year doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I want to bring up something that you said earlier, Colin, the the progression of some of these players like Brandon Peters, uh, like Donovan Peoples-Jones, even Ben Mason, he got his first touch and it went for a touchdown. Just being able to get these guys into the game, get big game experience on the road against a top five team in Wisconsin. Uh, a lot of these guys looked really good doing it. Um, before Peters' injury, I thought that this team had a chance to come back in that game. They were only down 14 to 10 at the time. Um, you, you know, Peters, he, he didn't have the completion percentage. He hasn't had the completion percentage, uh, at all since he's been playing. Uh, but, but he's making the throws when necessary, kind of like what Hornybrook did on Saturday. He was throwing dimes. He threw a few nice ones to Donovan Peoples Jones, uh, including that really long one that set them up really well. Uh, I think that was their touchdown drive as well, but being able to get these guys in game, get them experience consistently. Uh, you're going to see a lot of these freshmen next year uh, and a lot of the sophomores as well. They're still, uh, young, especially the defense, I, I'd say probably more than half of them are sophomores. Uh, uh, you know, Devin Bush and Rashawn Gary, guys like that. Uh, they're just going to keep getting better and better. And by next year, I, I, I think that this should be uh, one of Harbaugh's best teams that he's going to have at Michigan. Um, he doesn't have an no, excuse. No, no, there's, no, there's, there's no right excuses now. to be made. No, no, I, I don't care if it's at Michigan State, at Ohio State, at Notre Dame. I don't want any excuses next year because you're going to have, uh, at that point, you would have basically an entire um, an entire class of players uh, to yourself. This would be his fourth season 
with U of M. Um, there, there, there are no excuses to be made next year, especially with Tariq Black coming back, Grant Newsom coming back from injury, Brandon Peters uh, still probably going to, um, you know, be the starting guy next season. I, I'm just assuming at this point, um, uh, you're going to have a lot of pieces in yeah. place to where there's not going to have, there's not going to be an excuses to be made. Um, no, and then you bring back. Other than the end of the Penn State game, they've hung around in they all have, these big games, and that's encouraging. So to me, it's very encouraging. It it's in- yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. So, you know, if you can actually keep yourself, you know, calm as a Michigan fan and yeah. look at it and say we're making progress in that way, next year you, you do expect them to see them win those games instead yeah. of lose them and come out on the other end. That That's exactly, where it's exactly. at you gotta, right you got to remember, you got to keep in mind, this is the youngest team in Division One. Yep. I mean, that, that can't be understated. Oh, yeah. season, all these national media members that are ripping Harbaugh now, they all predicted Michigan to go Yeah, to exactly. They're so surprised about. They're like, oh, he lost. His yeah, and defense. exactly. He can't do it. And now that they're not doing it, they're like, oh, he's garbage. He's, he's this, this. When they're on their third, when they're playing their third, their, like their third string quarterback, mm-hmm. you lost your top two, you lost your top wide receiver, your line's a mess, and then you lost 10 guys in defense to NFL. Well, what are they supposed to do? But yeah, like you, like you guys said, they will be much better next year. This is by far Harbaugh's most talented team. And it's not only that, it's all guys he personally recruited. They're all going to yeah. be experienced by that time. They should be loaded. The only the only problem is they don't have a schedule like Wisconsin. If they had that Wisconsin schedule, I'd guarantee them to be in the Big Ten <laughs> championship next year. Oh, Michigan would be undefeated no until like the end of the and season when they had to play Ohio State or something. If they were playing, credit that. Paul Chris gets for playing. You know, nobody's all the time. I I hate out the end of the game. Um, Von, you couldn't see it, but on TV they brought they compared Paul Chris' mm-hmm. record in his first three years to Harbaugh's, and they were saying, "Oh, Chris has been doing more than Harbaugh oh, has." Boy. Chris plays nobody. That is that is a stupidest narrative. You got to put it in the perspective of who they play. Wisconsin doesn't play anybody. If you play, yeah. Michigan would have won the Big Ten um, West last year if they were in that division. They beat Wisconsin, yeah. but they finished in third place because the top three teams in the East were all better than any teams in the West. So yeah, I, I, I know, and a lot of people really don't put things into perspective like that. And another thing that people don't really put into perspective is uh, really the the growing expectations for Jim Harbaugh at U of M. Uh, I, I think a lot of people forget that that first season with Harbaugh in 2015, there were a lot of chances for Michigan to lose. Uh, Indiana, that game went to double overtime. Minnesota took a goal line stand and a, a reverse touchdown for them to win that game. Uh, obviously, Michigan State, uh, that was a game that they could have locked up easily. That, that was just a freak accident. But there were several games in that 2015 season that U of M arguably should have and could have lost. Um, so you know, nine and three, it, it could have ended up being seven and five or eight and four uh, in the grand scheme of things. So I, I think that first season really heightened expectations quite a bit. And then the second year, last season, yeah. uh, when you only lose uh, by five points, uh, your three losses are by five combined points. That really heightened the expectations even more so for this season. And yeah, like you guys said, a lot of the national media chose them to go eight and four, nine and three, just because of how young they are. And, you know, just the giant question mark at quarterback with Wilton Spate, uh, with him coming off that injury against the uh, against Iowa last season. And who knew how he was going to do and brand new wide receivers and brand new defense and uh, new passing game coordinator. A lot of new things this season uh, came into effect at Michigan. And a lot of it really didn't go the way that fans wanted it to go. Um, but that's just the reality of things. That's that's just how things go. And uh, not everything's going to be a, a very fast rebuild. It's not going to be a Nick Saban. It's not going to be an Urban Meyer quick rebuild. Uh, things take time. Uh, and I, I think uh, fans just need to understand that. Yeah, no, that, I think that's what frustrates a lot of Michigan fans right now. Is that, you, know, you, you just said it. Urban Meyer was able to do it so quickly there. But I think that the biggest difference is he came in with a lot of other people's talent. 
And it just happened to be that literally pretty much that whole class graduated at the same time or was good enough to leave to go to the NFL. (laughs) So I just kind of left them with a bunch of new people this year. So it's a little bit different than what they've had in the past. And I mean, these guys that are at quarterback right now or that he started even the season with was Spate and O'Corn. Neither one of those are Jim Harbaugh quarterbacks. I truly believe that Brandon Peters will be as time progresses. But it's just like people expect so much for a quarterback that, you know, is coming out here and he's played three college games in his career so far in the middle of a season. So you you just got to you gotta understand where Michigan is actually at right now as a program and as a team. And you, you just got to kind of look forward to next year. And look at the positives from games that you yeah. can get out of it compared to all the negatives. That To me, to me, yeah, Michigan beat themselves. They did a lot of – not all the way. There were some bad calls by the officials – and the fact they're in that game and they have a play where Peters fumbles, I mean, that that's that's a young quarterback making a mistake right there on the two-yard line. That's something that he's probably not going to do in the future and will probably remember a play like that, and it'll it'll bode well for him going forward. It's stuff like that that should be corrected by next mm-hmm. season. I think, I think, I think that that's more of like a self-inflicted error that you know you can fix moving forward or should be able to with a team and a program like Michigan football. And that's why next year, barring any significant injury, next year is the year we, we, we finally got to deliver. We finally got to win, you know. All yeah, with, plus without question. For, for, win the Big Ten East. It's finally yeah. that year. Awkward, awkward comparison, but it's almost like Michigan State basketball this year. I look at it as a lot of these guys come back. They have a, they have a lot of talent back from the year before. All this, you know, four or five-star talent is supposed to be so good. You got you to produce the next season. It's, it's almost kind of the same thing as MSU basketball right now where they were a team that finished, what, like almost 500 by the end of last year and got blown out in the second round. Of the end. It was a team that was, okay, we have all this talent, but we're really young. So, you know, it's not that good yet. It's, it's, it's all raw. Now it's, you know, different when it gets produced and it has time to, you know, get together and click together. So, I'm not- <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Izzo's got a little bit of time just, yeah. just from a team perspective. The only difference between those is Izzo obviously has really established himself in Harbaugh. Everyone's everyone's kind of putting him on the theoretical. People are putting Harbaugh on the theoretical hot seat, and also Michigan State. You know, they're thought of as a national contender. Maybe interesting picking them to win the championship, well, and they're obviously the favorite in the Big Ten. I think Michigan preseason next year. I think you're going to see them third in the Big Ten East. Ohio, Ohio State also be first, yeah. just because it's Ohio State. But I think they'll be ahead of Penn State in the preseason uh, predictions and rankings and all that. You guys think that too? You guys think you guys definitely think Ohio State obviously will be. Yeah, that that one will be that'll be I a toss up. I, I think that you go, you come into the season looking at that game as a toss up almost, just because of the way that they got beat by Ohio State too. To me, I don't think the Michigan State's really that good of a football team. I think that they you know just got a couple of a couple of big wins, I guess. But Penn State all of a sudden didn't look that good either. You know, with the way they blew the game to Ohio State and then lost to Michigan State the way they did. So it's like. I don't know. The the Big Ten is kind of on an almost an even playing field this year to me. It's kind of it's kind yeah. of weird. Yeah, the Spartans the Spartans did their best rain dance uh, in their two biggest games, and they had the rain <laughs> yeah. gods pour down on Michigan Stadium and in Spartan Stadium. Yeah, as well. You know, it's um, it's funny. I got a I got a Notre Dame friend, and uh, he was he was talking to me. He likes Notre Dame, or whatever. And you know, yeah. I kept saying. Yeah, well, the rain, you know, truly the weather truly changes the outcome of these games. Yeah, one team is prepared for it more, but it still doesn't give you the full game. It still doesn't give you the full effect of, you know, what could have actually happened like in that Michigan State game for, say, if it's not raining. Who knows in Michigan? I, I think Michigan wins that game. He kept, you know, kept laughing at me and joking about it, and then I go back to it, you know, after Notre Dame gets smacked by uh, – by uh, Miami when it was raining out there and stuff, and then all of a sudden he says, "Oh well, the rain maybe the rain does affect yeah. stuff. Like it, it does change a game. It 100 percent changes a game." <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, there's no way. Michigan- 
if, even if without the rain, Michigan still doesn't win that game. Yeah. I don't know why, because John O'Corn was our quarterback compared to Brian Work. That's why you still don't win that game. John O'Corn, he proved he can't even he can't throw when it's like seventy degrees out, perfectly sunny, without without any wind. He's terrible. Yeah. That's why they lost the game, and they just the play calling was bad. The offensive line couldn't move the football at all, and they they continue to do that in big games. The offensive line cannot they can't, they can't get a push and they can't run the ball in big games. That's the yeah. Well, and they'll that's kind of why I don't think that they're going to be able to run very well against Ohio State, State this weekend. Which actually, State, yeah, which actually is, is a pretty solid transition. We're not going to talk that much Ohio State this week or in this uh, particular podcast because we, uh, me, and oh, I think Andy, perhaps Andy, are going to team up with the Going for Two podcast. Uh, later on this week, so you guys will be getting a whole lot of Ohio State coverage on that podcast. Colin, unfortunately, is not able to join us in that podcast, so I want to give Colin the floor right now to get out any hot takes, rants, etc., etc., whatever you want about this Michigan-Ohio State game. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Vaughn, for uh, giving me the floor for a minute to vent. All I can say is, um, frankly, this is the first Ohio State game in memory, recent memory where I'm not that hyped up for it. Like a w- couple weeks ago, I would have told you I was to see how Peters and company did against these guys, but it kind of seems like it's a long shot for Peters to play. He's in the concussion protocol. We, us- we know that it usually takes over a week, sometimes two to three weeks to get ready for that. And then even if he does play, I mean, he's already kind of injured. I'm scared to see what Nick Bosa, Taekwon Lewis, and those guys are going to do to him. So I'm I'm a little wor- I'm definitely worried about this game. I think Ohio State will roll over them. It, it, what's sad is even in the Brady Hoke years when they had the far talented team and teams that Michigan teams that were far lesser than these Harbaugh teams, at least they came prepared for those games. You know they came ready. They gave that, everything. Yeah, that one year Devin Gardner looked at the, the quarterback. Everyone Devin thought Gardner he was going to be wide receiver. He's canned off to the running back. He goes out catches yeah. pass and he's out there with a broken leg in like 2013, still running around, still playing his heart out. He did, and that was like with a broken leg. Like in the fourth quarter, he's still playing his heart out. At least those teams gave their all. They 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 treated Ohio State as like their main rival. As this team now, I heard Karan Higdon say today that apparently, oh, we 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 won that game last year. All this stuff. No, you didn't. You lost the game. So how about you start Yikes. playing like you're the underdog and you play pissed off and you play like you actually want to win and upset a team for once. And I I, I don't think they're going to do it. I think it's going to be a blow up. I think yeah. Ohio State wins something like forty five to ten or something. It's going to be embarrassing. Harbaugh's going to get ripped for it, and then um, <laughs> the bowl season isn't going to look that good either. So I'm not excited for this game. I hope I'm wrong. Peters plays. I hope it's competitive going to the fourth quarter and go blue, and hopefully hopefully maybe the rain will come. Yeah. Question. Question. Without contact. I know, I know that you guys are more you guys are more in-depth to the football stuff. I have to pay attention to this basketball stuff mm-hmm. a lot more. But um, I remember, like, reading a couple things about Wilton Spate, like, being healthy to, like, practice again or something a couple of weeks ago and I, I don't know if that's even a possibility okay yeah. without, is, is it still that way or is there I been believe a, I it's still non-contact updates, like, but I would have to go the, you know, I wasn't able to listen really or uh, read any at. transcripts from Harbaugh's presser today um so I would have to go look back at that I if I had to take a guess it would probably still be a non-contact practice mm-hmm. He might be ready for the bowl season, but I think at that point they'd probably still roll with Brandon Peters. Oh, they definitely roll with Peters. I was just thinking to myself, you know, if he was somehow ready to play in this game, you almost got to consider playing him over Donald Corn. And and I was kind of wondering that, honestly. If if Wilton Spate's good to go, I I feel like they would uh, have an obligation to play Wilton Spate since he was the starting quarterback in game number one. You would obviously want your starting quarterback – 
in game number one to uh, be ready for the biggest game of the season. It's always Ohio State. It's always the biggest game. You would want a guy like Wilton Spate to be leading your team out of the field against your biggest rival uh, over a guy like John O'Corn. Um, so uh, let's see. I'm, I'm trying to look up right now if Wilton Spate is uh, – okay. Uh, according to the free press, it says uh, Brandon Peters is uncertain against Ohio State and same with Wilton Spate. So, okay. Well, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I figured they wouldn't actually release if he was like so uncertain. Able to is go or the, not. Just the word. Way, you know what? That would be insane. That. <laughs> yeah, I, really I, don't I don't know how, how a lot of people that. would react. It would be interesting to to say the very least. Um, but but yeah. So th- uh, thank you for your insightful. I I really hope you're wrong, Colin. I really do. I I think we all do. But um, I, I guess we'll just see how uh, how it all shakes up. But to end the show, uh, let's talk some hoops, guys. Uh, we haven't really talked a whole lot of basketball yet this season, but Michigan's rolling. They're undefeated as of right now. They've uh, hung in pretty close with their uh, uh, the few opponents that they have played so far, um, Central Michigan being one of them. Andy was at that game covering that game uh, for, for uh, Central Michigan life. Oh, yeah. um, but he's going to be covering some of the games for us at mazenbrew.com for us this season. Um, so I guess Andy, they play LSU tonight in the Maui Invitational. Uh, what do you expect to see out of them tonight? Do you expect a win? And have you liked what you've seen out of them so far this year? Well, I, I mean, I think a lot of this right now is it, it's, it's really, you look at the team as a whole and it's a lot of new faces playing a lot of new roles, um, for them, I guess, trying to step up and play different different uh, types of positions, you know, in previous years, you had Derek Walton and Zach Irvin, you know, that were just staples to be able to hand the ball to at the end of the shot clock or, you know, try to make the shot. A lot of these guys are trying to figure out how to do that right now. And, you know, in, you know, like I was actually at the game on Thursday yeah. as well, um, covering for Mason Bruce. I was able to get some stuff there. And, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali Abdul Rockman after the game, he said kind of that, you know, right now they're passing up some of these good shots and you know, that they're not taking them because they're not confident enough. And then sometimes they're taking bad shots and trying to force to get points. And I think that's what you see a lot, especially from guys like Charles Matthews so far, you've seen a lot of, a lot of, you know, errant shots from him trying to get to the hole. Duncan Robinson. Sometimes he did I mean, he'll make the big shots. He'll make the big threes when he has to, but I know that Beeline wants to see more out of him getting the hole. And then, you know, what or Wagner, you know, he finally, you know, has a couple of games where he's playing better defense, whatever. But then he gets into foul trouble against a, against a team like, you know, Southern Mississippi the other day and ends up not having to play. But, you know, I guess the one bright spot that you get out of that is that John Teske played very well um, at his first double-double. He went 5-5 five, five from the floor and he had the 10 points. So, I mean, nevertheless, they've had their moments where they look really good. They've also had their moments where they look, you know, very confused out there on the floor. And they and you just see a lot of, I can say, out of their 11 turnovers, I believe they had against – uh. Southern Mississippi, just watching that game, I get I guarantee you at least four or five of them were from Jaron Simmons or they were from um uh God, like Charles Matthews. Just not it's it's like, you know, you can just kind of see like they, they expect someone to be somewhere, like they think that they know him and then they just throw it away because you know, like I there was one where Matthews came down the floor, tried to find Robinson in the corner, just completely threw away. It's it's that kind of stuff that's happening right now. And I think you're gonna see a lot of that really come into perspective tonight. I think tonight's a big game for Michigan. LSU's a team that, you know, only 10 and 21 last year won one of their final, I forget how many, I think it was 18 games. So not a, not a very good uh, basketball team recently, but you know, they have a new coach now and and they're, you know, trying to make improvements. They won both their first two games, scored a hundred points in each of them, but they did allow uh, 86 points to a team like Samford. So their defense struggles, Samford made 15 to 29 threes and Michigan's a three point shooting team. 
So if they can, if Michigan can be able to get three pointers going the hoop, I don't think they're gonna have much of a problem tonight. And then you know they would more than likely play against Notre Dame in the next round. That's really gonna be a measuring stick game for Michigan. That that's where you're gonna find out where this team's really at. And like John Beeline said after the game on Thursday, you know he said we don't really know. He said I don't know how we're gonna do out there, but I can guarantee you we're gonna get a lot better. And I think that's what a lot of Michigan fans need to think about. You know going this in this game, this team's still trying to really figure itself out right now. And given the past, this team has a lot of talent on it. I I don't I wouldn't doubt Beeline to be able to get this team to be spe- something special by the time the Big Ten season starts. No, I I wouldn't doubt that either. With having two transfers, Charles Matthews and and Jaron Simmons, and a brand new point guard, you've got a few different guys uh, at point guard right now. But I I think they'll get stuff figured yeah. out. Uh, it has been a little rough to begin the season, but that's how Michigan basketball kind of has been the last few years. They've always started off pretty slow, and then once the conference season gets into effect, they that's when they really kick it in. And uh, that's when they start playing their best basketball. So, well, I mean, do you, so you expect a win tonight against LSU? I, yeah, I would. I would expect nothing but a win. I don't think. I think Michigan doesn't really even struggle that much tonight. I think. I think almost sometimes, you know, when you go in and play these neutral. I think last year it showed a lot of it. Michigan did very. They won the two K Classic with a team like that, yeah, and did. after that, they kind of flopped in the. They flopped in the rest of the uh, non-conference season. So it's almost sometimes when you go play these neutral sites, you just feel less pressure because, you know, the arenas aren't as, as full. Sometimes they're kind of like half dead. You know, you're playing playing a game at 1130 <laughs> at night, your time. You know, you, it's, it's it's almost like you. I feel like as a player you kind of feel less pressure. I, I think that Michigan will respond very well tonight. I, th- I think Beeline will probably give them a lot of challenges. Um, and really, you know, they, they kind of know this game means a lot to them. And I think they definitely want to get that chance to play against a team like Notre Dame. Uh, Beeline said that, you know, they kind of treated the game on Thursday like it was their Sweet 16 game, and now they're playing in their Elite Eight game, playing for the Final Four. So trying to get them in that mindset early of, you know, what it'll be like later in the season, this is going to be a lot of that. Because, like, you know, Michigan does have some players returning, but it's just a lot of people trying yeah. to gel right now. And, you know, the fourth game of the season, I, I think that you'll see a lot more of that. This is not a good defensive team in LSU. And Michigan's offense is what's been the problem so far. Their defense has actually been pretty pretty good this season for the most part. So you got to look at it tonight to see their offense make strides, especially against a team that allows so many three-pointers. Michigan shouldn't have a problem winning this game tonight as long as their shots are falling for them. Awesome, man. Can't wait to see how it plays out. But we have uh, run out of time here today. We will be back with uh, the guys from Going for Two podcast uh here in a couple days we'll post probably on on friday day after thanksgiving so uh be ready for that and uh boys thank you for joining as always and thank you guys for listening as always be sure to subscribe on itunes and the google play store for andy and colin my name is vaughn we'll talk to you guys next time go blue